This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to Invest Talk. It's hard to believe it's already the 26th of July of summer, and the summer's racing by pretty fast. I don't know where you are, but it's pretty hot down here in the Southern California area. So this is a Thursday edition of Invest Talk. I'm Steve Peasley, and I thank you for making time to join me today, each weekday at this time, 4 to 5 Pacific time, Pacific time, and I appreciate it. Now, the open uh, the, the moment you open the homepage of our of our website, investtalk.com, you'll, well, that's one of our websites. We also have kppfinancial.com. But uh, you'll see a simple statement there, a statement. It says, the InvestTalk commitment to reason and common sense guidance can make you a better investor. Reason and common sense. That's all I'm asking for you to do. Use your reason and common sense, and you'll be fine. Now, and that's not just some statement, some throwaway marketing line. I'm serious about this. It's serious. Our aim here at InvestTalk and KPP Financial is to help you grow and protect your money. And it's certainly worth a go- uh, worthy as a goal, right? I mean, that's what we want. We want to grow it and we want to protect it. And so sometimes, you know, you can't do both of those at the same time. You can't protect it and grow it. So you just have to understand how to protect it and how to grow it. And using your common sense. Common sense. Okay, well, the stock market certainly proved a pretty wild ride today. Did you see that? Now, we're talking about Facebook, obviously. Did you see what happened to Facebook today? And I'm going to talk about that and take you through the story in a couple of minutes. But first, you've heard me say it. Your questions drive the program. So it's time to make room for one of your calls to our anytime listener line, 888-99-CHART. KPP Financial has the... Hi, this is Richard from Texas. My question is about real estate. My wife and I are thinking about buying in a home and looking at maybe a condominium or a house with a piece of uh, property. Is there any plus or minuses to the condo or the house that we need to be aware of? Uh, We're not sure which route to go, so if you can give me any information, uh, return on equity or what we should know that uh, we don't know. Thank you. Well, uh, it, 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 buying real estate is all about location, okay? Where are you buying? Um, and if you're saying, well, what I, should I have a condominium or should I have a house? If you plan on living in it forever, I would probably recommend a house, okay? Because you're by yourself, you're not connected to other walls, you're not connected to a community which may or may not suit you. In a condominium, you'll have adjoining walls. And sometimes your neighbors are not pleasant to be next to, and when you buy a condominium, you're stuck. You know, and you, you, know, you want to be careful. Generally speaking, and I have to generalize because I don't know where you're buying, but generally speaking, the appreciation is higher on a house than on a condominium. But it depends on where. You know, I, I, I'm familiar with Southern California. I'm familiar with the middle of California up in the Bay Area. 
by the way, everybody, that is the middle of California. Everybody called that Northern California. It's not really. If you look at a map, Northern California is above San Francisco. It's a big state. But no one talks about that. Anyways, or if you're talking about upstate New York or Florida, where are you? Where are you? But I'm going to say that generally a house will appreciate faster than the condominium. The drawbacks of the condominium is you're much closer to your neighbors and maybe two. But I will also say that a condominium might be a better rental if you ever want to turn it into a rental than a single-family home. But that's a problem there, too, because if you want to live in it, your neighbors could be your renters. So there's those pluses and minuses that you have to think about. Appreciate the call. Thank you. Now, of all the stock plunges in the world, what was going on today with Facebook? Now, do you know how much they lost? In, in market cap, $120 billion. Now, they are a 630, they were a $630 billion market cap before today. That is a, almost 20% fall in one day. 20% fall in one day is very, very strong. Okay, now, I want to put things in perspective a little bit. What about other large stocks that have tumbled in the past? Well, MSN.com had some stats. Intel, in uh, September 22nd, 2000, Intel fell $91 billion. Okay? $91 billion. Earlier in the year, on April 3rd of 2000, Microsoft lost $80 billion. Remember, that was during the, the dot-com collapse. $80 billion. Today's, today's $120 billion was the largest by far. First one that's ever been over a $100 billion loss in one day. Do you know why it happened? Why? Nothing dramatic happened to Facebook. All they did was announce that their growth was going to be slower going forward. Growth was going to slow down. Okay, that was our major announcement. They're still going to grow, but not as fast. And the company went down 20% one day. Remember, this is one of the FANG stocks. Facebook, FANG, F-A-A-N-G, FANG. Facebook, Apple, Amazon, Netflix, and Google. And I wanted to point out one more thing. Did you notice that the NASDAQ was down 80 points today while the Dow was up 113? 80 points. Most of that was Facebook. So I remember I've talked to you over, uh, before how big these big tech stocks and the FANG stocks are huge, how they dominate, dominate, and that eighty that Facebook drawdown twenty percent also affected the S and P. It was down nine. Take out Facebook, and both those indexes would have been up today. And that's just one of the FANG stocks. What if all of them drop at the same time, maybe five percent each in one day? <laughs> so. You can see what kind of impact they are having. I thought I might point that out. So what's the lesson here? Do not invest too heavily in any single stock. How many times have you heard me say, don't invest too much in any single stock or any single sector? Make sure you are diversified. That's it. That's the lesson. Okay. Um, and yeah, if you have Facebook, as long as you didn't have too much of Facebook, as long as you didn't let it dominate your portfolio or any other thing stocks, you're fine. Yes. So it went lost 20% today. Maybe that might set itself up to eventually be a buy point. Did you ever think about that? 
anyways. If, if you really want to improve your portfolio performance, please reach out, talk to Justin or myself. Go to contact us on investtalk.com, ask us questions, we'll be happy to answer them. We want to help you. But now let's hear from you. We are taking our questions live at 888-99-CHART. Okay, what's going to be our okay, what's going to be our future talking point today? How much tax will you owe on stocks you sell in 2018? Now, I do think this is kind of a silly kind of question because there's so many things that take into consideration, but we're going to get more into that and we'll talk about it. Also, there is no bubble in stocks. Now, people have been writing about or talking about a bubble in stocks and going back to like 2011 when the market recovered all the losses in 2009 and started rising. But there's no bubble. And I'm going to give you some evidence of why there isn't. Why? Also, is the market tracking the late 1930s before it collapsed again? Remember, it had 1929 crash, right? Great Depression. But you know that it recovered. But do you know what happened after in the 1930s? I'm going to track some of the similarities we have today that they had back then. Because the market fell in the late 1930s hard again. And durable goods. Durable goods report for June came out today. I think it's important. You know, I think the Durable Goods uh, Report is one of the more important reports that comes out. It is a lagging indicator, but I think it's important. The Dow was up 113 points today. The Nasdaq down 80, thanks to Facebook. And the S&P is down 9, thanks to Facebook. Uh, and that was the market. It wasn't nearly as bad as it appears on the Nasdaq and the S&P. It wasn't. It wasn't broad. It wasn't. It was pretty much narrow. Very narrow, and it was Facebook who was primarily the cause. Simple as that. 888 chart When you hear us talking about a certain stock or a story of great interest to you, please remember to tell your friends. Uh, if you really like the show, pass a word. We love to talk to as many people as we can. We broadcast radio live on our 1220 station in the Bay Area. Uh, and then, of course, we stream the show live on investtalk.com. And we podcast replays where we cut out all the commercials. Anyways, we hope you can you can downcast it. I'm down the podcast you can download on investtalk.com. And of course, we always appreciate your input, live calls. So make your voice heard. Call us now, 888-99-CHART. It's a Thursday Invest Talk. July is all but over. Only three more trading days this month. Have you subscribed to the Invest Talk podcast at iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play? If not, please do so. Then listen, rate, and review. This helps us improve our Invest Talk programming for you. But right now, Steve is here and he's taking your calls live. 888 99Chart. 888 992-4278. So how much tax will you pay when you sell a stock in 2018? Okay, well, first of all, it's silly to say 2018. It should be just how much tax you will owe on stocks that you sell. And then that's a much better question. 2008, doesn't matter when you sell it. 
you know, the, the, the law is the law. Okay, so first of all, if you're in a retirement account, 401k, IRA, Roth IRA, there's no consequence of selling a stock, whether you make a lot, make a profit or a loss. Okay, none. No tax, oh, you don't get anything. If you are in a regular account, not a, a retirement account, okay, you're going to, and you sell a stock and you make a profit, you will owe taxes. If you don't make a profit, you won't owe any taxes. Okay, those will be what we call capital losses, and I'll talk about them in a second. If you make a profit on a stock you sell in a regular account, a joint account, an individual account, but not a, just long as it's, so long as it's not a retirement account, you're going to have to pay capital gains. Well, how much do you pay? If you own the stock for one year and one day, you will pay 20% of the profits. That's the tax. If you hold it, if you have bought the stock and sold it less than a year, less than a year, and made a profit, you're going to pay the, you're going to, your taxes owed, you're going to add that profit to your ordinary income, and you're going to pay ordinary income tax, whatever your rate is, on that profit. Okay? So that's how that works. Let's say you have a loss. If you have a loss in a stock, and we, I just described short-term and long-term capital gains taxes, right? If you have a loss, you also have to determine if it's a short-term or a long-term loss using the same periods, year or year, and a, year or more, year or less. You can write off the loss against a gain, short-term loss against a short-term gain, so your taxes could be reduced. Long-term gain versus long-term loss, your taxes can be reduced. You also can you also can write out three thousand dollars of your loss for the year, three thousand all total losses for the year. You can write three thousand dollars and deduct it from your adjusted gross income. Three thousand dollars you can write off of your adjusted gross income, reducing your tax. Okay. You also can, if you have a loss for one year, you can roll it over to the next year, carry forward to the next year. This is Invest Talk. I'm Steve Peasley, and I was very pleased with your interest in my in the 101 portfolio reviews last month in San Jose. So I set up another day, and I usually set up a day every month or every six weeks or so, whatever the demand is. Uh, and I'm going to be there on uh, August 29th. If there is ever a moment when you question how well your portfolio is doing, or maybe how well it has been doing, you should make time to look into the various investment strategy programs available to clients of KPP Financial. Head over to investtalk.com, roll over the InvestTalk Programs menu link, and read about them. Choose dynamic growth, disciplined equity, or balanced income. And now, we're taking your financial investment questions live. 888-99-CHART. Hello, this is Scott calling from Palo Alto. I'm just calling to ask you guys a question regarding Apple stock versus Berkshire Hathaway B shares. When I look at the P.E. ratios of Berkshire, it shows that they have a lower P.E. ratio than Apple does. But I know they make less revenue than Apple, so I don't see how that's possible. I'm wondering if you might be able to explain that to me. And also, of the two stocks, is there one of those that you would consider owning for the next couple years 
at the current level. Anyways, I look forward to hearing if you're on the air. Thanks a lot. Bye. Okay, you're you're comparing apples and oranges, and that, that's not that's not right. You're comparing that you shouldn't be comparing Berkshire Hathaway with Apple. Okay, first of all, Berkshire Hathaway is like a mutual fund. It owns a bunch of companies. Okay, it's not just one company. Apple is one company selling products, uh, computer products. So you, it's a whole different way to look at it. You're looking at one stock versus a mutual fund of stocks. And Berkshire Hathaway is a value investor, so all the stocks in his portfolio are value stocks. And Apple happens to be a value stock because of its price. But you shouldn't really compare the two to say, oh, I need to buy one or the other. If you buy Apple, you're buying one stock. If you're buying Berkshire Hathaway, you're buying the, all the whole group of stocks that he owns. Apple's selling for like $19 a share. Uh, I mean, a, a 19 PE, it's a $194 stock, going to make $13.20 next year. So, so that's about a 15 PE going forward. Okay, looking forward. Berkshire Hathaway, uh, BR, Berkshire Hathaway A. Okay, they're about 30. And that's a, you know, it's a $300,501 stock. Berkshire Hathaway A shares. So they're selling at a PE of 30. Apple is much cheaper PE ratio. Okay. Uh, so I would say Berkshire Hathaway is a lot more expensive than Apple. A lot more expensive. It had nothing to do with the price of stock. It always has something to do with the earnings. Um, so it depends on what you want. You can't say I want one or the other. It depends on what you need in your portfolio. What 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 would be fit with what you have? If you have a bunch of tech stocks, I wouldn't add Apple. If you already have that. If you have a bunch of value stocks, I don't know if I would add Berkshire Hathaway to it. Okay. Uh, what what it's not. You're comparing apples to oranges here. You can't do that. You know. You have to ask yourself what my portfolio needs to be properly diversified and do I am looking for, am I looking for growth in the stock or if I'm just looking for dividends what are you looking for what do you want to do okay appreciate the call thank you uh, Apple symbol is AAPL and Berkshire Hathaway uh, BRK BRKA or BRKB depending on which one B shares are the cheaper stocks you know they're selling for $197 a share but whether it's A or B, still 30 PE, same company. 888.99 chart. There is no bubble in stocks. I have been, as long as everybody keeps talking about it, there's no bubble. See, because they, they, there's a lot of reasons. I'm going to give you a few. But when people talk about something, bubbles are happen when people don't notice that, that they're a bubble or they, they suspend belief that it is a bubble. Usually when everybody's looking at it, it's, whatever it is, it's not a bubble because everybody's paying attention. Okay, so experts have been saying there's been a bubble. I've been reading about it since 2011. And there's been comparisons to 1999, which there should be no comparisons with 1999. Really? Do you remember the dot-com 
era, those companies, all, almost every dot-com did not make money. Did not make money. There was no E in all those dot-coms. Okay? And the reason, I can tell you for sure why there's no bubble. Just look at Facebook today. It collapsed 20%. I'm telling you there's no bubble. Why did Facebook collapse today? Because investors and traders paid attention or paying attention to earnings. They're worried that Facebook, the reason why it fell 20%, they're worried about the sales growth is not going to be as fast as it was. Therefore, earnings are not going to be as good. And when there's a bubble, no one pays attention to earnings. Okay, so just the fact that investors and traders are paying attention to earnings, there's no bubble. And of course, have you noticed that earnings are going up 20% this year? Now, I don't want you to misunderstand. The market is overvalued. There's no question. I think we're going to get another correction. Uh, but we're talking about a bubble. Bubble means unsustainable, super high. No one's paying attention to anything about other than the stocks going up, and it's way above its norms. We are above norms, but I can't say we're way above norms. There's no bubble, everybody. No, not yet. Tomorrow on Invest Talk, how to prepare for one's spouse's retirement if your spouse is going to retire. And here's a hint when only one spouse retires, Need a plan to live on a single paycheck? On some tips tomorrow. But for now, I'm Steve Peasley, on duty and ready to answer your questions at 888-99-CHART. Our podcast continues on next. It may be hard to believe, but the average 401k investor misses out on over $5,000 per year in investment gains. How come? Poor timing? and subpar fund choices. That's the big challenge that is being met now with active 401k. The typical 401k plan has limited choices. People don't know what to do, and that's exactly why active 401k was devised. It may be just what you've needed. It ranks your current options within your current employer's plan, and then all you do is log in and make the changes. You'll be told exactly what to buy, what percentages, and what funds. This program is offered by invitation to KPP clients and limited number of our listeners, too. And if you'd like to see more about it, just go to investtalk.com and click on the Investments tab and then look for Active 401k. Now let's get back to our podcast. InvestTalk is made possible by KPP Financial, where their balanced income program provides an ideal blend of growth and interest. Balanced income is a strategy designed to accommodate investors who have a lower risk tolerance but still desire some exposure to the potential growth of the stock market. Learn more anytime at InvestTalk.com. Would you like to speak with Steve right now? He's here and the lines are open. 888-99-CHART. Hi there, Steve, Justin, this is David from Florida. I was calling today about MetLife, ticker symbol M-E-T. I would love your take on this stock. It's one I've been looking at for a while. It's trading near its 52-week lows. I just picked up a little bit today. If it drops more, it's going to pick up more. I'd love your take on this stock. You could maybe go over the fundamentals and let me know what price you guys would buy it for 
or even if you would buy it. Thanks, you guys. Love the show, and I'll be listening on the podcast. Actually, I think it's a pretty good price where you're buying it. It has one, two, three, four, five, four times, almost five, fell to about $43.50. And every time it's done that, it's bounced up. Okay, and that's done, done that since February. It had the big 10% correction with the overall market, hit that bottom, rose back up to 47, then back down, back up between 40, what, 43 and a half and 48 dollars for ever since then. It's done that four times. So you picked it up now today at 45.22, which is a good price, I think. It's a good price. Uh, because I'm looking at the the fundamentals. MetLife, symbol M-E-T, everybody. Always look at the fundamentals. And always compare the fundamentals with its own industry. Not the overall market, but its own industry. Uh, they pay a 3.7% dividend, which is a nice dividend. Current P.E. is 11. And you would normally say, well, gee, that's pretty low. Wait a minute. Hold your horses. Is it low for this industry? Is it low for this company? You know I usually give you the five-year range for the company. And in this case, it's 7 to 14. So 11 is not that extremely low. But if you look forward, the earnings are going to be $5.45 next year per share. That's the estimate. As a $45 stock, that means the P.E. is going to be like 9. And that's pretty reasonable when you're talking about a range of 7 to 14. Now, I don't like that it's very low return on equity, about 7%, so that's bad. And the sales growth, I mean, its sales were shrinking up until the first, you know, the last quarter of last year, it grew 25%, but the first quarter, it, it fell 1%. So it's kind of erratic on that farm, on that part. So it's going to have a hard time moving up. You're going to have to live on the dividend and knowing that you bought it at a good price, and that's about it. There are better life insurance companies. Okay, they provide life insurance and annuities and employment benefits kind of management services, that kind of thing. There are better companies than MetLife. So what you do is you want to look at other companies in the same industry. But this company not bad. Don't, and this is a good price. But you might have to be very patient. Last year's high was like $53, $54. And that's the most you can expect from it. Is market is the current stock market over the last few years tracking the stock market like the 1930s? Okay, there's been some written articles about this, some talk about this, and some of the comparisons. Okay, uh, the debt, overall debt, the government was very high in the 1930s. Interest rate 1932 hit zero, just like it did in 2008. Deleveraging happened in 1933, and we've seen it started happen in 2009. Started, the Fed started to deleverage by raising rates and starting to let its balance sheet. Central bank tightening actually started in 1937. Are we tightening now? And have been for what year? And the economy improved from 1933 to 1936 before it fell, the, it, fell, it fell apart again. And so the stock market. 
And we, our economy has been improving since 2009 to 2017. So, quote-unquote, smart people are making these comparisons, and they're saying, you know, we're kind of on the same track. And I don't know if I believe that. I think it's interesting to see the comparisons. Uh, I do think the Fed is is like it has, and I, and I have reported this on the radio, I think the Fed needs to stop raising rates for a while, maybe six, nine months, and see what the previous rates that they have in, uh, in place, how that's going to affect the economy. Because the Fed has been raising rates every time. Every time it's raising rates the last prior to the last eight recessions or so. So they're increasing rates, and that has led to a recession. Not necessarily immediately after the increase. And, and there's a time lag, usually because it takes a while for the, the tightening of the financial markets to filter through the economy. And I think that they should stop and see what they're tightening so far, what kind of effect it's going to have. Now, they're not going to do that. They said they're going to raise two more times this year and maybe more next year. And they're really concerned about inflation, even though we've seen very little evidence of inflation. Uh, uh, yeah, there's some. And yeah, I can understand their fear because, you know, very low unemployment. The economy's growing very fast. We're going to get GDP numbers tomorrow for the second quarter, and they're going to be very good. And I understand that fear, but you've already raised rates, what, five, six, seven times? You know, how, how many rates do you think the economy can take? Rate increases. It takes a while, as I said. So they want to get the the interest rate to a quote-unquote a normal level, which is about 3%. That's the long-term average. And we're a, lo a little bit under 2% right now. So I'm thinking they're focused too much on that goal, personally. Uh, you know, just my opinion. And I'm not talking about the stock market. I'm talking about the economy. The stock market take care of itself. You know, they, they don't like raising rates either. But I'm more concerned about the economy because in the long run, that's what determines what the stock market does, the economy. So um, it, are there similarities in the 1930s? Yeah. But I, I, every time I see these people make these kind of comparisons, it, it's just a, it probably is more a, a coincidence of a time period then and now. I don't see it. We didn't have the Great Depression, you know, in 1929 with a market stock market crash like they did back then when market lost 80% of value. Uh, we lost 50%, but it recovered in a year. That didn't happen back in the 1929. So it's, it's hard to make that comparison, I think. As most of you know, we are happy to take your finance and investing questions every weekday on Invest Talk during the radio program. And that we're, that's live, 4 to 5, Pacific time, Monday through Friday. But we also accept questions around the clock, 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. And you mostly, I think you guys know that. The number is always the same, 888-99-CHART. So don't be afraid to call after hours. We love those questions. And when you call, by all means, submit your stock questions. That's okay. I love general questions too, but stock questions are fine. Uh, you know, maybe you want to talk about... Uh, a process of investing. 
like value investing or growth investing or you know uh, how much how much money I should I put into any uh, any uh, a defensive position should I be de- any kind of questions like that 401ks IRA questions anything financial I want to make the program available to you and be a learning experience and learning experience for everybody. Okay, now I'm here taking your questions live. 888-99-CHART is our number. Invest Talk listeners in Southern California are welcome to make an appointment with Steve or Justin for a meeting in their Dana Point KPP financial offices. However, for those who live anywhere in Northern California, it may be more difficult to come to Dana Point. But now, in response to strong interest, Steve Peasley has scheduled another round of free personalized portfolio reviews for his satellite office in San Jose. So mark your calendar, August 29th. Then register through the portfolio review page at investtalk.com. Steve is here now, the phone lines are open, and you can get your questions in live. 888-99-CHART. Hi, Steve and Justin. My question is, I've picked some stocks, you know, I've analyzed them, I've picked them, that they're going to report good earnings, and they have a low PE, good dividends, and they report, and the stocks, most of my stocks have been dropping after earnings. So is this the buy the rumor, sell the news type thing? And if it is, how do I avoid getting caught in this besides buying it and selling before it reports and then buying it after it reports? So can I get your guys' thoughts? I enjoy your show. Uh, Listen to it all the time. Thanks a lot. Bye. So what he's referring to is an old saying, buy the rumor, sell the news. And what that is referring to is, in, a, in the stock market, the rumor that their earnings are going to be good is when people bid up the stock beforehand. They oh, the earnings because remember we're all all investors are looking forward, and then when the news comes out that the earnings actually were good, he's noticing that his stocks are selling off when their earnings were good. Very common in our industry. Now, there's two things you can deal with it. You can try to play the game of selling the stock on the rumor and buy the news, sell the stock on the rumor and buy the news, and some traders do that. That's exactly what they do. But um, if you're an investor, I would tend to have you ignore the quarterly earnings reports if it's a company that has long-term growth prospects that's not overvalued. So it depends on the kind of investor you are. If you're a trader... You might want to try selling the rumor and buy the news of a good strong stock. Okay, but if you're an investor, you would ignore it. Okay, and you just invest for the long term. Um, and what you could do is buy a half a position before the stock reports its earnings. And if the earnings come out and they're very good, and yet the stock goes down, buy the other half of the position because the earnings were good. The stock is strong, fundamentally. Remember, you buy stocks fundamentally. You buy because they're fundamentally strong. They have good fundamentals. The things that you think are are good to promote a higher stock price down the road. That's why you buy the you invest in a company. You don't buy a company based on the stock chart. 
That's trading. You could do trading based on a chart and ignore the fundamentals, but if you're an investor, you don't ignore the fundamentals. That drives your 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 buying decisions. Okay, and your selling decisions. Now, as most of you know, we are happy to take your finance questions. So please call. We'd love to hear from you. Love to talk to you anytime you want. Now, here's an investing term you should know. Security. A security is a negotiable financial instrument that holds some type of monetary value. Think about that. A security is not necessarily a stock. It's a, a negotiable financial instrument, which includes stocks, that holds some type of monetary value. It could be bonds. It could be interest in a trust. It could be a first trustee, it could be a mortgage, it could never a financial instrument, any kind of financial instrument that holds some type of monetary value. It represents an ownership position in a publicly traded corporation, like a stock, a creditor relationship with a government body or a corporation, if it's a bond, and rights to ownership as represented by an option, because that is also an option is a security. Now, securities can be broadly categorized into two distinct groups, equities and equities and debt, right? Stocks and bonds, equities and debt. An equity security represents ownership interests held by shareholders in an entity, a corporation. A debt security represents money that is borrowed and must be repaid with terms that stipulates the size of the loan, interest rate, maturity, renewal date, Bonds, mortgages, okay? And now, over at Investopedia, you know that's one of my favorite sites to, to learn, Investopedia.com. Uh, they have a dictionary there with hundreds and hundreds of terms and items and definitions of things. And it's a great resource, everybody. Now, if you have a security question or other investing questions, you can ask them right now, 888-99-CHART. And I want to get to Durable Goods Report before the end of the show. We're going to talk about the Durable Goods Report. Tomorrow, we have GDP numbers for the second quarter, the first look. And that's going to be, uh, that's going to be a lot better than, do you remember what, what the GDP was the first quarter? The first quarter was 2%. Not very good. This one, I've seen uh, estimates as high as 5.3% in the second quarter. I don't think that's going to get that high. Don't think so. I think it's going to be in the four range. But just four or five weeks ago, they were talking to being like maybe three. Now, now look at that. I mean, they, they've really bumped it up. Now, our Thursday Invest Talk is Friday. It's, yeah, this is Thursday. Our, the, the Thursday Invest Talk it's quickly heading toward a finish, everybody. We only have one more segment left, 10 minutes or so. So if you have a financial question, any kind of financial question, now's the time to do it. Give me a call at 888-99-CHART. On the next Invest Talk, how to prepare for one spouse's retirement. That's tomorrow. But now, a Thursday Invest Talk continues, driven by your questions. Steve's here. He's ready and waiting for your calls. 888 99 Chart. 
888-992-4278. Let's talk to Mona in Fremont. Let's talk about Facebook. How are you doing, Mona? Hi, doing good. Thanks, Steve. Uh, thank you for taking my call. Um, thank yeah, you. I wanted to get your thoughts on um, Facebook because of the huge drop today. I uh, wanted to get your thoughts on whether I should you know, hold my position in uh, Facebook or um, sell it um, to avoid further okay. costs. Okay. There's a good lesson here. You never, ever, ever sell a stock the day that it collapses. A lot of people do, but usually, very often, not always, but very often, a stock will recover some of that loss because there's going to be people coming in think it's a bargain. And if you want to get out, Mona, that's when you would sell it. You wait a day or two or three and see if you get a nice a little bounce. And you sell the bounce if you want to get out. Now, if you're asking me, should you should you get out of Facebook? I think that is your question. I would say no. I don't think so. No. Because the announcement, Mona, wasn't that they're going to make less money or that company is falling apart or there's bad earnings. The announcement was their growth is going to slow down. That was really the main part of what the investors reacted to. Their growth, which was 40% in sales, 42% last quarter, 49%. We're talking about the sales, 49% the quarter before, 47, 47, 45. They said it's going to move to the high teens. And, of course, everybody freaked out. But Facebook is a 30 PE, which is high, but it's not 300 PE. You know who three, who three what stock is 300 PE? How about... How about uh, Amazon, 169 P.E.? How about Tesla, which has no P.E., by the way, because they have no E. But I would say if you're going to be a long-term holder of Facebook, I don't think you sell it here. Uh, it may go down more. That's possible. But it's got really, still it's got really good fundamentals, and it's not astronomically overpriced. It's really not. Oh, okay? All right. Appreciate it. Thank you so much, Steve. Thanks, thanks, Mona. Uh, that's Facebook. FB is a symbol. Um, it went down twenty percent today, people. Twenty percent. That's a huge hit. And if you look at a chart, you'll see it just was marching straight up from April, up, 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 up. Now, do you think it went back to the low of April? No, it went. It gave up about half between April's low, which was one hundred fifty, and yesterday it was two hundred fifteen. Today it's one hundred seventy six. So about half. They lost about half of that game. That's what happened. Now, it's going to be interesting to see what it does over the next few days. I'm going to find it very interesting. We'll see what happens. Durable goods report that came out for June. Durable goods is those are those things that last three years or longer. So it's durable goods sales. Things that last, sales of things that last three years or longer. So they're more expensive things. And so the reason why that is important is people will spend more money and corporations, people and corporations will spend more money if they are confident and if they spend more money on big ticket items for corporations, it tells you that they're investing in their company. So that's the core capital goods part of the durable goods report. And that was up 1%, okay? The core capital goods were up 0.7%. The problem you have is the previous two months, they shrank. 
So this was supposed to be good news that was going to be up this month, and it was, the most recent report to June. The expectation was for it to be up 3.8%. It was only up 1%. 1. So, okay, that's good. It bounced. It was better than negative. It had two months in a row. Negative was shrinkage, but now you have a month of now growth. Okay, that's good. It's just not great. That's what we have to look at. Um, the core capital goods at seven-tenths of percent was more optimistic. That's That was decent. Not great, but decent. And remember, we're talking about those things that will make us more productive, those things that cost a lot of money and we're more confident. So I, I kind of like the report because of that. You know, shows some confidence out there. That's it for uh, for the production Thursday of the show. I, I appreciate it. It was very very good show. Uh, if you want to replay any or all of today's program, you can you can do that from the podcast page on investtalk.com. Thanks for listening, everybody, and please come back tomorrow. I'm Steve Peasley, and good night. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for listeners to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis, and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. Steve Peasley and Justin Klein are principals of Klein, Pavlis, and Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein, Pavlis, and Peasley Financial, which retains all rights.